0: The 1st of February, 2007, episode
1: 64. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay.
0: Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Some of us may be lucky enough to build a client base made up of people who seek us out or those referred to us by others, but life isn't always that easy. Sometimes as freelancers, we have to work for it. So how do we get those high-profile jobs when other designers are vying for the same opportunity? We write a killer, knock-their-socks-off job proposal. Today we're going to be discussing the keys to developing a successful job proposal. Just a couple announcements before we get started today. Uh, I do want to apologize again for last week. As you may or may not have heard, I was a bit under the weather, and seriously, uh, my nose was running so bad that there's no way I could have uh, possibly done a show, a 40-minute show, so uh, please excuse me for that. But we are back this week. Um, As always, I, I wish that you would tell a friend about this podcast. If you have friends that are interested in design, or friends at school, or friends at that are coworkers that you think could benefit from the show, please tell them about it. This is how we get the word out. Uh, we don't do any of the voting or any of that kind of stuff anymore. This is my, my sole way of uh, getting the word out because I don't do a lot of advertising either. I have been getting some publication, some uh, attention from the publications, I guess sh- I should say. Uh, again, uh, we were in the last dynamic graphics magazine. We're in a little write up that was written up by Paul Chen. It also included Boag World, if you've never checked that one out, that's a, a podcast about web design, which is very good as well. But uh, if you get that magazine, check that out. I've, I've had a couple of people tell me they saw it already. Um, pretty decent article. It's all about podcasting and the technology of it. Uh, I believe we have something else coming, in that, coming out in that magazine in the next edition, and um, a little bit of publicity coming on a couple of websites as well, but... Um, If you have any contacts with any media, or if you just want to write a letter to a magazine, a publication, or a website telling them about this podcast, I definitely recommend that you do that. I would be very grateful to you if you do, and uh, it would definitely help us out here. So, today we're talking about job proposals. If you're not familiar with this, um, maybe it's because you don't freelance, or as I said in the beginning, maybe it's because You just have opportunities handed to you. Most people aren't that lucky, but maybe you are. If you are, consider yourself very lucky because jobs usually don't just fall out of the sky into your lap. Uh, Usually you have to work for it. You have to get this proposal going so that you can prove to whoever it is you're trying to work for that you're the best person for the job. And that's what we're going to be talking about. I want to start off with some things to remember. The main thing. You're trying to get a job here. It's kind of like a sales pitch. You're selling the potential client on your best points, on on what makes your business better suited for the job than other all the other hundreds or thousands of designers or design businesses out there. you really got to treat this as if it were a full-time job opportunity because to you, it pretty much is. If this is how you pay your bills, this is how you make your living, then this is your full-time job, so you need to treat it that way. Even if it's not, even if it's just something on the side, you want to make some extra money, you got to treat it the same way. you got to present your skills and talents and present solutions to the problems that they have. They're going to have some kind of design problem, and that's what you're there to figure out. You need to to figure out the solution to that, and uh, that's what's going to get you this job. There is a difference, though. A resume won't work for this. Most time, these people are just small business owners or maybe larger business owners or presidents of businesses. These people can't evaluate talent like employers can, like employers that are hiring uh, creative people. So they're not going to be able to take a look at your your regular resume or CV and and decide whether you're good for the job. This is where the selling thing comes in. You have to provide these examples of what makes you uh an able and willing candidate for the job since they can't translate that information off of your resume. So we need to win them over with, first of all, that killer portfolio that we have. That's always going to help. Visual aids are very good, especially for people who don't understand understand design like we do. It's good for them to see different examples of things you've done. But even more than that, we need this, this killer proposal that we're going to make that's going to outline everything about the job, if, if we get into specifics that far, but at least going to outline what our business is about, what we're about, and why we're the right person for the job. So before we get into the details of the actual proposal, I'm going to look at a couple other things. The first is the method of delivery. As I'm sure you know, there's several ways to deliver your proposal to a potential client. The first would be actually writing it out and sending it via snail mail or the regular postal service, I guess you'd say. This has kind of gone by the wayside because people tend to like things instantly. They like to get an answer back within the same day. But if this is your only avenue, if you only have an address for the company and it's not really somewhere where you can visit, then this is just as good as anything else. Uh, It is going to take a day or two to get to them and probably a day or two before you hear back, although you you should probably give them a phone number to call you. But, you know, this is better than nothing. And sometimes it actually can work to your advantage because if you have some kind of leave behind, maybe some kind of printed materials, some kind of portfolio material, you can actually stick that in the envelope with the proposal and actually give them something to look at right when they're reading the proposal, which is a very good thing to do. And in a lot of cases, this kind of relates more to people trying to get full-time jobs But I've heard this many times where people will send their resume in via email, but they'll also send a letter via snail mail and stick a couple samples in and send that in as well. And it just kind of reinforces that you are very interested in that opportunity. And that's something you could definitely do for something like this as well. Kind of hit them from all angles. So the next one, of course, which I just alluded to, is sending via email. And that one's probably the most common these days because, well, people deal in emails I know I get to my uh, get to my job every day and have at least twenty, thirty emails waiting for me. So it's a very normal way to communicate with people these days, and it's becoming. I think when it first started out, it seemed a little uh, impersonal, and I know some people do still see it that way, and that's probably why it's a good reason sometimes to go ahead and send the email and back it up with a, an actual letter in the mail. But it's becoming more the norm, and it's becoming more accepted and. Less people are looking down upon it, I guess you might say. Uh, I kind of have here in the same category as email is fax. And fax is kind of that, that same instant gratification. It's a little worse. And I I generally don't like to fax things. Uh, first off, because I don't have a fax machine, but also because faxes look bad. Even just something that has just text on it, it, just the printing on those things is just Completely horrible. I'm sure everybody's seen a fax before, but especially if you have any kind of images or imagery that you're trying to dress up your your little proposal with, which you can definitely do. I mean, it's it's something that you would do for your resume, or even if you wanted to send some samples of your work. Definitely, you don't want to be using a fax machine because it's just going to make them look like a big black blob. The other problem you might run into with these two forms of delivery is that it could be construed as spam if you don't know the person that you're sending it to, or if they don't know you, they're not expecting to get it. And it's, it's kind of like a, actually we'll talk about that in the next section, but basically email and fax machines get lots of spam. Again, I'm sure you know this, you probably get lots of spam in your email. Uh, Fax machines also get all kinds of unsolicited spam. And if you're just kind of blindly sending things out to people, these these two methods might be these two methods are ones that you would have to be careful with in that you need to make sure that it doesn't look like spam doesn't smell like spam it's got to start off with with something catchy that catches their eye that makes them not immediately trash it and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on as well the final method of delivery is to actually present your proposal orally and this is something I've talked about before Uh, I didn't really talk about it as being really a proposal, a job proposal, but it's just kind of like a presentation. And this is what I was talking about. If you're just walking around your your local neighborhood down by the mom and pop shops, whatever it may be, maybe it's some kind of antique store, maybe it's a surf shop, you're just walking in and you're trying to find out, you know, is the owner there and you're just going to give them a little sales pitch basically. And that's what this job proposal means. And this is a great way to drum up business and you really avoid those things like the email and fax of people thinking that you're just randomly spamming everybody in the county because you're actually going in and they're being able to talk to a person and they're they're getting to meet you in person and find out what you're about. And also, it's kind of hard to avoid you if you're there in person. They can't just it's not just like a spam email that they can toss away and not have to worry about. So they actually have to listen to you at that point. But uh, this is a very good way to do it. This is a very good way to go about it. There's also very different situations that you can run into. Um, The first of which is called an RFP, or a request for proposal. And you're going to find these a lot on maybe job boards. Uh, I think a good example is Craigslist. And these these are areas where the client already knows that they have a specific need. So they're putting out something on a job board, or again, something like Craigslist, they're gonna put out a message saying, we need a designer for this specific purpose. And it could be, we need a designer to design marketing collateral, or it could get as specific as, and RFPs usually do get more specific. It could say, we need a designer to come in and do a four panel brochure, this size, this many colors, blah, 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 and they give you all the details. Uh, The other one is the one we were just talking about, And that's a situation in which you're giving an unsolicited proposal, or I like to call it like a cold call. It's almost kind of like a telemarketer. And again, that's why some of this is construed as spam, because you're reaching out to people who don't know you. You haven't talked to them before. You're just some business trying to grab their attention, which is the same thing basically as spam. But um, of course, spam people go about it the wrong way. And we're going to try not to do that. Now, let's take that last example of the quote-unquote cold call approach. Really, our best bet, as I said, would be to actually go in and meet the client face-to-face and present your proposal in person. Now, again, we could come at them from several different angles, meaning maybe you want to send a letter or an email kind of as a precursor, and then you know, maybe the next day or the day after you come in, you actually talk to that person And that can also help you out as well, because if they actually took the time to read the letter or the email, then they know a little bit about you already. And now you're coming in with this proposal and that could help you out as well. So that's something to think about. But really, we need to plan our attack. We can't just go in there with no plan, no idea what we're going to say and just start talking to this owner because they're going to they're going to be able to see right through it. They're going to figure out that we don't know what we're doing. So we need to really have a plan of attack for what we're going to go through when we get in there. Even telemarketers have a plan before they place their annoying calls to your house. They have some kind of script that they read off, or they have some kind of bullet points of things that they know they want to get out before they call you. So, I mean, if they can plan ahead, so can we, right? So we need to plan a presentation. It needs to be less than 20 minutes. Um, I actually think it should be a lot shorter than that. These people, owners or managers of stores or businesses, they are pretty much busy, they they don't have a whole lot of time and they don't have a lot of time to waste on somebody that they don't know who is just trying to offer up some services to them. So try and keep it very, very short and very sweet and to the point. And I think they'll appreciate that whether they actually use your business or not, but you don't want to be wasting people's time because that's just going to make them angry and they're not going to want to use your services. So try and keep it, uh, try and keep it less than 20 minutes for sure. I would say try and keep it around five, 10 minutes so that you can um, so that you can get in and out of there very quickly. And if they want to talk more about it after your presentation, then great. Then you can talk as long as they want to talk, but you don't want to force them into a situation where they're having to sit there and wait for you to talk about your business forever. Again, I'll bring up the thing about the telemarketers. Telemarketers these days, they know you don't want to talk to them. So right off the bat, they're giving the, this whole big spiel that lasts like five minutes and you can't get a word in edgewise unless you interrupt them and say guess what I don't want this this is kind of the approach you have to have now you shouldn't be that pushy to where you're not going to let them say oh well that sounds great but I don't want I don't need anything like that but you do want to make it so that you can get get everything you want to get out very quickly before they have time to really get bored with you or really not want to listen anymore the other thing too is be sensitive to their needs. If they're very busy, if it's a busy time in their shop or in their business, it's always okay to say, you know, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to talk to you about my business or whatever. Just leave a card behind and say, I'll come back at a slower time when you have more time to talk. And again, they'll appreciate this because you're being considerate of their time. If they're really busy and they don't have time to talk to you, then you should definitely come back at a later time. You don't want to force the issue. Now, when we go in there, we want to prepare for specifics, and we want to have things in mind like milestones of the project. That is, if we know that they have a certain need for a project, Uh, we want to know milestones, uh, goals that we want to achieve. Uh, If it's not that specific, then specific things maybe about how we work on certain projects. Focus it more on yourself if you don't know a specific project that they're in need of, But if you do know that they're in need of, say, a website, then we're going to have some talking points about, first of all, how we go about setting up websites, how we're going to attack the problem that they have, and how we're going to make that solution work. And again, with goals and milestones, we'll be able to kind of outline what our plan of attack is for that project. Throughout this whole thing, we also want to make sure that we're very clear and detailed. We want them to understand exactly what we're saying We're not going to use big jargon that uh, designers use that they might not understand. We're going to make everything very clear and concise so that they understand exactly what we're saying. They understand the plan of attack that we have, and they can make their decision a little easier because they know exactly what we're saying to them. It's also a good thing, maybe you want to create some general guidelines or maybe come up with some kind of, like I said before, a script to where. It'll work for pretty much any situation. And then once you know what situation you're going to be in, what business you're going to go to, then you can kind of tailor it to each specific person that you're going to be talking to. Or again, if you know a certain project that they're going to need to have, then you can tailor it towards that actual project. And it might even be a good idea to actually have two different proposals worked up, two generic ones. One could be where you know what the project is, and one could be when you don't know what the project is and you're going to have to talk more about your services and yourself. The next step we're going to take is going to be a very familiar one. And we talked about this before. Uh, It's something that you have to do anytime you do freelance, you have to do your research and find out the things that you need to know about their business. You need to find out the specifics of their business, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to sell, what they're going to need because this is going to help you to know how to design for this client. And uh, it's also good to find out specifics of your competitors if you can. If there's some people out there that maybe you don't know, again, it's good to team up with people in your area, but maybe they do exactly the same thing that you do, and you're kind of going head-to-head with these people. It's good to find out what they offer. Uh, You're probably not going to be able to find out how much they charge because that's something that, that freelance designers don't divulge. But you will be able to find out what kind of services they provide and maybe that's a way for you to get an edge. If you provide a service that they don't, that would be a good talking point uh, because you can bring that up in conversation as uh, I see you've used this other designer before. We actually do the same thing, plus we do this and this. And that's that's kind of an upsell, of course. Um, so maybe finding out what your competitors offer. But the main thing here, I think, is to find out a little bit of information about the person that you're going to talk to, the potential client Maybe you can go to a website if they have one. Uh, maybe just try and get some, some materials that they have already, some kind of brochures or flyers or anything you can get your hands on to learn a little bit more about that person. When I was researching this topic as well, I, I found a couple of people actually said to try and research the person you're going to talk to. Now, if you're going to a larger business, this might be easier to do. If you're going to be talking to maybe a president of a company, a CEO, something like that, you actually might be able to find out some information about them personally. I personally thought this was a little crazy sounding. It almost sounds like stalking. And I don't know. I'm sure there, there's advantages that you could gain from this, but I don't think it's that important to know personal details about the person that you're talking to. If you know their name, that would probably be a good thing because you can go right in and say, I need to talk to so-and-so. But knowing personal details about their life or how they work or anything like that. I don't think that that's really that important. The main focus here is your business and what you can do for them and convincing this person that you can actually help their business make more money by doing what you do. Now we're going to go back and revisit this idea of this being kind of like an interview for a full-time job. And this is where it really is when you're actually going in and talking to the person It's kind of like an interview for a full-time job. And just like that, when you're doing a proposal, presentation is physical too. You need to dress and act appropriately. You need to dress as if you're going to an interview. You need to make sure that you're very courteous. Like I said, courteous about several things. You want to shake their hand and do all that kind of stuff, but you also want to make sure if they're busy, don't try and just start talking to them anyways. First impressions really matter. And it's really going to reflect a lot of of what your business is about and what you're about by the first impression that they get from you. Uh, if you come off as a very cocky person and they don't like that, then you're probably not going to get the business because that reflects directly upon your business. So attitude is really everything. And I think the main, main thing here is confidence. And this kind of came up in, there was a thread on the forum that was talking about actually how much you charge for a project. And there was there was one particular comment on this and it was from one of one of our members who goes by the name of Prepressology and I thought it was a really really good comment on this because he said, you know, no matter what you charge, it really has to do with how much confidence you have in charging that much. If you think you're worth 60 bucks an hour and you talk to your clients as if you are worth 60 bucks an hour, then they will believe that you're worth 60 bucks an hour. You have to have a confidence when you go in and you talk to these people and you're telling them, my business can help you. My business will help you market your product or your services or whatever it is you're trying to market. And it will really increase your business. And if you come in with that confidence, then several things are going to happen because of that. First of all, you're going to get that job because the potential employer is going to be confident in the fact that you're confident that you can help their business out. Also, you're going to be able to charge what you want. Again, because you come off as the professional here. You know everything about everything design and you know how much it should cost, so they're not going to question how much it costs. And just as a side note, because this happens to me several, this has happened to me several times. If people do question how much you're charging, go ahead and, and tell them. Tell them that it's okay to go out and get quotes from other people. And if they find somebody cheaper and they want to go with a cheaper product, because many times the cheaper it is, the the worse off that their eventual product is going to be, I always let them do that. And if I end up losing that client, then, well, I lost that client but I'm not going to lower my prices just because somebody thinks they're too high. You have to have that confidence in what you're charging, just like you have to have that confidence in yourself that you can get this job done and you can do it well and you can do it better than all the other businesses in the area. Now, when we're presenting to the potential client, we want to make sure that we choose our visual aids wisely. Like I said, sometimes it's good to have visual aids. Some people are very visual. They don't they may not be able to actually imagine what we're talking about when we're talking about designing certain pieces, so we might want to bring in some portfolio pieces. Uh, some, if we're doing a brochure, bring in some brochures that you've done before so you, so you can show them what you've done. Uh, if you're do, talking about websites, maybe bring up a website. Um, if they have some somewhere where you can possibly do that, or maybe uh, if you have the capability to bring in a laptop with uh, remote access, then maybe do that. The main object here is to really wow the client and you have to figure out what will do the job for that. So if it's just going to be portfolio pieces and you think that's okay, uh, maybe you want to have some kind of PowerPoint presentation or a flash presentation. I generally stray away from the PowerPoints, although if you're you're talking big business, if you're, if you're going in and you're trying to solicit a larger company, uh, these people deal in PowerPoints all the time. So that might be something that they understand a little better. Uh, I would always app more towards a flash presentation if you can do that, Uh, get some animation and stuff in there because, of course, that's going to wow them even more that you can do something like that. That is, if that's one of your talents. Um, But a PowerPoint may do the job. You just have to figure out what you think is going to really relate to these people, what they're going to be able to relate to themselves and really understand what you're talking about. The last thing we want to do here is under-promise, and over-deliver. You never want to cause a problem for yourself by promising the world when you can't deliver the world. Now, there's somebody that works with us at my full-time job. He's kind of like a a salesperson, but also does uh, biz dev, business development stuff. He'll go out and he'll work with people and try and get them to basically place large orders for, for our product. The problem with this guy is he goes out and he he says, "Well, what do you want to see? What would you like?" In talking about things like maybe a custom install guide or some kind of new registration process specifically for that that business. And the problem with this is he doesn't actually do any of this stuff. These are all things that are passed on to somebody else, yet he still Ask this client, do you want this? And they say, yes, we want X, Y, and Z. And he says, okay, you can have X, Y, and Z before he goes back and talks to the people that actually have to come up with X, Y, and Z or create X, Y, and Z. You'll be at an advantage here if you're a freelancer because most likely you'll be speaking on your own behalf. You know what you can do and what you can't do and what you can do in the time allotted and what you might not be able to get done in that time allotted. Just make sure that you don't kind of blow it up past where it it really is. If you know you only have enough time to get a certain amount of stuff done, make sure that you only promise at least that much stuff, maybe even less. Maybe you're saying, okay, well, I can get X and Y done. Not really sure about Z because we're under a tight schedule. So uh, that would just be icing on the cake. And then you come through and you actually, and actually, maybe you don't even bring up Z, and then when you actually deliver the project, you deliver X, Y, and Z. And then that, that reflects very good up, upon your business, of course, because you said, well, I don't really have time to get Z done. But then when you deliver the project, there is Z as well. And I know that's kind of an obscure way to, to, to put it. But to put it in better terms, I guess you might say maybe they need a business ID package with a brochure. And maybe you're saying, okay, I can get the brochure done. I can get your business cards done. Those are the most important things. I'm just not sure if I have time for the letterhead. And then when it comes time to deliver, you deliver the whole package. And then you look like the hero because you didn't think you could get all that done, but you busted your ass to get all of it done. And that's what it looks like to them, even if you knew you had time to get all that stuff done, but you just wanted to make sure. So the main thing is don't say, yes, I can do a brochure, a business card, letterhead, this, this, and that by tomorrow when you know you can't do that because that's going to make you look bad when you're not able to deliver those things. And I think a big thing to remember here as well is practice makes perfect because this is all about timing and knowing what you can get done in a certain amount of time. And this is something we've talked about before with knowing how to schedule projects and also knowing how much to charge for projects. You need to know how long things are going to take you. And again, this is a very hard thing to to know when you're first starting out, but once you get underway, once you do several projects, then you're going to you're going to know as long as you're timing yourself. And we talked about timing before as well. As long as you're timing yourself, you're going to know after a while how long it takes you about to take to to take a, a certain project from beginning to end. And that's going to help you when you're quoting people It's going to help you to know what you can get done so that you can make those proposals and make those promises of what you can get done in a certain amount of time.
1: The Keys to the Game
0: our key command for today is from InDesign, and I wanted to bring this one up, I, I maybe think about it because I actually did the quick tips this week was about the pre-flight function in InDesign, which is something that you definitely should be using because it'll help you make sure that everything on your document is correct before you send it to the printer. So to get to that on the Mac, you're going to press Command Shift Option and F, and on the PC that would be Control Shift Alt and F. So we talked about actually going in and talking to our potential clients, but what if we don't have time to just walk around the neighborhood and walk into every business and talk to them? Well, we're probably going to need some kind of written proposal then. And with this, it's a little bit harder. As I said, you're not actually going in and seeing this person. You're just sending them a random letter or email, and they might not want to read it. It's harder to avoid you when you're there in person, but when you write them something, they can easily just trash it. So the first impression is very important here as well but of course we're not talking about how you're dressed or how you're acting it's that first sentence it's the first thing that they read has to has to really grab their attention and tell them that they want to read this because it's going to help them out so when we're writing that first sentence we need to think about things like do we need to pose a question do we know that they have a certain need if we do we're gonna pose a question about you know is are your sales materials getting the job done today something like that Uh, that's obviously not going to be the exact sentence because that's a little cheesy maybe. But we're going to pose a question or we're going to challenge them with something. And if you, the more you know about what they are in need of or the more you know about that specific business, the more you can tailor this right to that specific person or business and really try to capture their attention now, this is a situation where it really is going to pay off to know something about the person you're sending this letter to, at least knowing their name so you can address it to them. Because if it's dear sir or madam, then that is a good way to get it thrown away right off the bat. But basically, once we pose that question or pose that challenge to them, we're going we're gonna to offer our benefits. We're going to answer the question, basically. If we say, hey, are your sales materials doing the job? then we're not just going to start talking about ourselves. We're going to answer that question with, you know, if they're not, then our business can help you out. We can help you create stuff that will really wow your customers, really sell your product, sell your services, whatever. And we're also going to offer the benefits of our business. Now, again, if we did our research and found out that we offer things that others don't, this might be a good place to put that. It's also a good place if we have some kind of special offer. If we're going to offer first-time customers a discount, that's a good place to put this. You want to start selling them as quickly as possible before you get into your life story. You don't want to start talking about, Hi, my name is blah, 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 and I do this for a living, and I would like to work for your company. I mean, they're going to get bored right off the bat and just toss it. So you need to get in their face right in the beginning and say, I see you have this problem. I have the solution to your problem. I offer these services that others don't. And hey, if you go with my business, I'll even give you a discount on the first time. That to me says, you know, I want to stick around. I'll read the rest of this thing because it's interesting to me. It's worth my time. And that's what you're doing. You're basically proving your worth here. So if there's a specific design problem that you know of, you're going to illustrate this problem or this uh, need that the company has And we can go back to the example of they need a website to properly market their their goods or their products or their services or whatever it might be. So you're going to outline this this problem that they have, this need that they have. And you're also going to go through the way that you propose to solve it. You're going to outline a specific solution. Could be step by step. Maybe you don't want to get that in depth. But you're going to let them know that, that there's a certain plan of attack that you have to get this problem or this need taken care of. That is, if it's actually a defined problem that you know of. And if there is a RFP, like I talked about before, if they actually outline what they need, make sure you follow the instructions for that. If you're sending a response to an RFP or something that's out there on a job board and they say, we need somebody to make a website. It's this many pages. It's this and this and that. And we need this kind of homepage and we need these kind of buttons, or this kind of animation on it, or we need video on it, make sure you address every single item that they put in there. This lets them know that you actually read the proposal, that you know that you can do every single thing that's on their list, and that you have a plan of attack to get all those things checked off the list. So make sure that you do that. That's very important. If you don't have an RFP, if you don't know specifics of the problem, well then all you can do is talk about maybe things in general, maybe things that businesses of their type usually need and how you can provide those services for them. Uh, It's kind of harder if you don't know a specific problem that they're having or a specific need that they have, but you can always kind of relate it to other situations maybe that you've seen before, that you've worked through before. That's going to give them confidence in you as well because you've worked for certain businesses that were in their same position so just something to, to really build yourself up and let them know that you have a, a plan of attack for really getting their needs taken care of. You're also trying to point out what advantages the client will realize by using your services. And this kind of goes back to the, the other thing of what can you offer them that other people can't? And this is, again, a sales pitch. This is selling yourself. What's good about your business? Are you, very, are you a very quick worker? Can you get it done in half the time that other people can? Do you have very good attention to detail so that there's there will be absolutely no mistakes? Uh, this is something that might seem a, a little strange to offer, but, you know, things happen. People deal with companies all the time that make mistakes. If you can guarantee that you're not going to make mistakes, then that's something to sell. How about your customer service? Some people are very hard to deal with. Are you going to be very easy to deal with when they bring you back revisions every every other day? Is that okay with you? This is something to sell. Just what is good about your business that's going to make them comfortable with working with you. Next, we're going to make a call to action. And this is very, very important. You need to tell the client what to do now that they're interested in your business. You can't give them this big, giant sales pitch, and then it just kind of ends, and they don't know what to do. I mean, obviously, they want to contact you because they want to use your business. But you need to tell them that they need to contact you. You need to send them in a certain direction so that there's no question in their mind what they're supposed to do now. Now, this could be as simple as putting an email or a phone number at the bottom of the letter. And I recommend that you don't just put contact information and then your email and then your phone number. Put a sentence in there that says, to learn more about our business and our services, call this number or email us at this certain address. You want to put some kind of instruction in there that they know If I want to learn more about this business, if I want to use them for my next project, I need to call this number or use this email. You can also send them to a URL. Maybe you want to send them to go look at some samples of your work. So you can put some kind of URL. And of course, that's going to work out very well if this is being sent via email because they can click right on that thing and go check out your stuff. And then maybe it takes them through a few different samples. And then at the end of that, it gives them some kind of contact information or it takes them on to your contact page on your website or something like that. Um, Another thing this might work out for if you want to send them to a certain URL and it has some kind of coupon, maybe they print out a coupon. Maybe it's just an offer that says first first time clients get certain percent off their first project. You could also actually put this into the letter. Maybe there's some kind of little coupon code that they can use. Maybe it's just a sentence that says, uh, I'm offering you this one-time only 10% off your first project or something like that. But make sure there's some kind of call to action. Make sure that they know what it is that they need to do to, uh, to start using your services. The last thing we want to remember when we're writing this proposal, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the oral proposal, is we want to be clear. We want to try to make sense. And again, it becomes even harder when you're not standing right in front of the person presenting to them because you can't explain things in a letter. If they don't understand something, then you're not going to be there to explain further so that they know what you're talking about. So everything needs to be very clear and needs to make sense to them. Again, we're not going to talk in designer terms. We're going to talk in whatever terms that they use so that they understand everything. We're going to use correct grammar. Definitely make sure of that. Make sure you run the spell check. If there's spelling errors or grammar errors in this, why should they trust you with their, their marketing materials if you can't even write a letter? So make sure that you run those two checks. Make sure you read through it. And like I always say, it's good to read things out loud to yourself because you can figure out if things sound funny, whereas sometimes when you read it in your head, you can't always pick those things out. Well, make sure you do that. Make sure you run the spell check. Try not to be too formal. This is a business proposal, but you are also a designer. You want to keep things kind of light. You don't want to make it seem like you're some big, huge, cold business that that doesn't know what the, the customer's needs are. You want to have some of yourself reflected in this. This is your business. Your business is you. You're trying to sell yourself. You're a creative person. You don't want to seem like some just straight up business person. So try not to be too formal, but don't be too much like yourself either. Don't use slang. Don't don't use, again, don't use the jargon that we use, but definitely don't use slang. You want it to be professional, but you want it to be, you want it to reflect yourself as well. Have somebody proofread this thing. Uh, you should read through it several times yourself, but if you have somebody else, it doesn't matter if, you know, they're a designer. It doesn't matter who they are. Just somebody somebody else to throw some eyes on it and make sure that it makes sense and make sure that there's no spelling errors or grammar errors is always a good thing to do. And uh, use your visual skills as well. Like I said, if you want to include some comps or some examples with that, then that's something that, that you should do. If you think this person will benefit from seeing some of your work and it'll help reinforce the services that you're trying to sell to that person, then definitely include that as well. So I think if you follow these steps that we've gone over today, it'll at least give you a good first step into writing that proposal or creating that proposal to to give to the person orally and uh, really help you in getting these jobs. Again, I want to stress the point that the main thing here is confidence. Confidence in your abilities to get this job done. If that's portrayed to the customer, then they're going to have that confidence in you because you have it in yourself. If you know you can do this job, make sure that you, even even if you're not sure if you can do the job, you still have to come in with that confidence that you can because they're going to be able to read that in your personality and it's going to make them feel either comfortable with your services or uncomfortable. If you come in and you seem like you don't know what you're doing or you don't think that you can get the job done, then they're not going to hire you because they're going to be able to read that in your personality. So... I guess the most important thing here is to believe in your own abilities and trust your own abilities. You know you can do this stuff, trust yourself, and that'll really shine through in your presentations.
1: Now that's what I call a rookie mistake.
0: Our tip for today is actually related to the written proposals, and that is to keep those proposals short and sweet. Just like when we go in, and actually talk to somebody face to face. We don't want to be wasting a bunch of their time and we keep that short. Same thing goes for the written proposal and I think it's even more important because first of all, if they open up this letter or open up this email and see that it's just a mile long, that's going to convince them that they don't want to read it. Even if you start out very, very well, you start out with a bang and you really get their attention, they're not going to want to read like five paragraphs. So don't write a book. Don't waste their time. Again, they only have so much time. They're running a business here as well. So you wanna keep it short and sweet, to the point. Get all the points out that you need to get out, but try not to go on and on about things that they don't really need to know. Don't bore them out of reading your proposal. On the other hand, don't make it too short either. You don't want something that's just a few sentences. You wanna actually be able to outline a, a detailed plan for how you're going to solve their design problems, whether you know exactly what the problem is or if you just kind of in general know what they need to even maybe you don't know what they need at all and you're just trying to sell your your services to them. Make sure that you actually put something worth reading in there, at least a paragraph or two, so that they can get a good idea of what you're about. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our website for today is one that I ran across when I was actually looking for some references to to find tutorials on Photoshop CS3. And it's a whole website devoted to Photoshop, and it's called photoshopsupport.com. It looks like it's run by a girl named Jennifer Apple. There's a bunch of tutorials up here though. There are some links to other tutorials on other sites, uh, video tutorials and all that kind of stuff. A very good resource though for all things Photoshop, so if you use Photoshop, and I'm guessing that most of you do, you should go check this out, and uh, I think you'll really benefit from from using some of the reference features on this website. I want to thank everybody for listening, and if there's some new listeners out there, let me point out again, uh, definitely go back and get all the old episodes and listen to those, but you can also get ones that aren't on the feed anymore. If you go to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie, and then there's a button on the top navigation there that says archive. If you click on that, you'll be able to get all of the, the first 20, I believe it is episodes that weren't on the, that aren't on the feed anymore. Meaning it's not going to automatically populate in your, in your iTunes or whatever aggregator that you're using. So you have to go get those. And also, uh, I think I said this before, but I'm going to be putting some more... I'm going to be taking some more episodes off the feed and putting them in there in the archive. So uh, definitely go up and get them there if you can't find them on the feed. I'm going to try and do a better job from now on of uh, bringing the titles with those things. I noticed the first 20, it just says 1 through 20, and you don't really know what it's about. So um, I will try and do a better job of that. But if you do download those first 20, uh, it comes in a little zip file, and it comes with the actual show notes, so it will tell you what the episode is about but uh, just know that you can always go up there and get those. Uh, you can contact me, as always. You can email me at adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can go to myspace.com slash designer and MySpace if you're into that. Uh, you can call the call-in line 619-573-4043 and use the one in the country code if you're outside the United States. You can also Skype me at username Titanstrides. And if you use that or the call online, you'll be sent to a message machine where you can leave me a voicemail. And of course, you can always go to the forums, rickydesigner.com slash forum, and uh, register there and talk to hundreds and hundreds of different designers. And we've, ha- we've been having some good conversations going on lately. More people are posting and I appreciate that. just want to encourage everybody to keep it up. And those of you who aren't posting, please go up there and... Uh, throw up a post every once in a while. It's a good way to interact with other designers and learn more about your career. You can learn a lot from other people that are up there, even if you're not talking specifics about applications or anything like that. If you're just talking in general topics, kind of like we do on this show, you can learn a lot from other people and you can learn a lot about how other people work and especially how other people work in different countries because there's people all over the world that are listening to this show and participating in the forum. So definitely take advantage of that. And uh, one more reminder, please just tell all your friends, tell anybody that you know that's interested in design, tell them about this podcast and also about Quick Tips for Designers if you watch that one and really help us out to spread the word about these two. All right, thanks again for listening and tuning in and subscribing. And uh, just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.
1: That one's high. It's got the distance. it's high.